and Happy New Year to all of you. Grateful for you being here today as we uh, combine our services. And uh, thank you for those who helped with our worship, the band, the worship team. Uh, as you know, Pastor Clayton and Jennifer are uh, in Missouri right now. Pray for them. They'll be returning this week. Uh, they are uh, there and they are leaving Abby. She is uh, starting school. And uh, if they're watching around right now, I just made them cry, I'm sure. But pray for Pastor Clayton and Jennifer and Abby. Um, we miss them, and uh, they were away. But thank you for the team that stepped in. And um, Pastor Ryan and Jenny are also returning today from Texas. So uh, pray for them and safe travels as well. Proverbs 16, how many had a wonderful Christmas? Everybody have a great Christmas. It was a beautiful time. We... Uh, Spent a few days in Nashville. We left uh, the day after Christmas. We came back yesterday, Nashville, Tennessee, and slept in every day and uh, went, went. That was nice. And uh, for those of you who normally see me tweeting and putting things on Facebook early in the morning, you didn't see that the last few days because I stayed in bed for a while. It was kind of nice. And uh, then we went shopping. I don't know if you follow anything I do on social media, but I noticed something they make a whole lot of pants for people who are slim fits and uh, a lot of shirts for fitted people. Have you, anybody else noticed that? But that's what, folks, that's what's left on the shelves. You can find them. Somebody needs to tell those who are designing clothes there aren't many of those folks that are fitted and slim fit. All right. Speaking of that, the fast begins tomorrow. How about that for a segue? You want to jump in and be slim fit? You can jump into the fast tomorrow. Hopefully you'll join us uh, for 21 days of prayer and fasting and uh, pursuit prayer. Picks back up this Tuesday. The church is open at 630 in the morning. Next Sunday, I'll begin a three-part series from Psalm 18, The Lord is My Strength. And following that, I'll be preaching a four-part series from Romans 8, where we've not been given a spirit of bondage again to fear, and it's simply called the fear factor, and I will be teaching Revelation, as Paula mentioned, beginning on January 11th. Proverbs 16, verse 1, the preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Look at verse 3. This is really going to be our kind of our jump off point and where we're going to camp out for a few minutes. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Look at that verse 3 one more time. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence in this place today. Thank you for a brand new year. We are so grateful for what you did in 2022, for those who were saved, baptized, those, Lord, who were brought into the kingdom. We thank you for all the blessings of 2022. We also know that there are those in the, this room that have experienced great loss last year. And I pray, Lord, in this coming year that you would turn their mourning into dancing, that, God, you would give them the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that you would give them the oil of joy for mourning, and I pray, God, that their grief would be turned to joy as they find strength in you that can only come from you. I pray, Lord, that you would challenge us today for this new year that is ahead. Speak to our hearts, speak through me, 
I pray, God, for your anointing, not because I uh, have earned it, not because I deserve it, neither are true, but because I need it. I pray, Lord, that in my weakness, in my flesh, you would override that and let your strength and your spirit work through me. And may the word of the Lord challenge us and change us for the sake of eternity. Today, I pray, as we embark on this brand new year, a new opportunity to see you do things that exceed our fondest imagination immeasurably more than we could think or ask. Bless our time in the Word today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In his, um, in his little book, uh, Journey to A Journey to Bethlehem, uh, author Jason Sorosky offers uh, this definition of, or these definitions of a resolution. Um, resolution, Webster defines, he writes, the word as being marked by firm determination. Obviously, that's the word that dominates every New Year's, is the word resolution. To the musician, a resolution is a harmony line moving from a dissonant tone, one that does not fit the melody, to a consonant tone, one that fits. Harmonies can dance and amaze us with varied complexities for a while, but they must eventually resolve, have a resolution. To the writer, a resolution is the end of a story. It's the final element of a twisting plot wrought with conflict, finally resolved in an ending where all is well. It's a resolution to a writer. To a chemist, a resolution it's the separation of a chemical compound back into its constituents or its simplest parts. To the statesman, a resolution, it, it is an expression of the determined will of an elected body. They are making a resolution. We resolve to do this. And to the graphic artist, the resolution is the sharpness of the pixel count on a screen and the quality of the image that is produced. Sorosky then says this, by any definition, a resolution is characterized, listen, by a return to simplicity, a focus on sharp definition and determination broken down to its simplest, most harmonious parts. Without resolution, art, science, government, and life in general all fall into chaos. Without resolution, there is no foundation on which to stand. Eventually, we have to resolve. We have to land somewhere. It's a resolution. It's a landing point. It is a return to simplicity. So this time of the year, we begin thinking, or maybe by this time of the year, we have quit thinking about New Year's resolutions. Lee Dye writes, it's that time of year when we resolve to get off our duffs, and, and he wrote duffs, I didn't have to change that. We resolve to get off our duffs and run around the block more often, may even cut back on all those things which we know aren't supposed to eat or drink or smoke. Ah, yes, New Year's resolutions for which many of us should be called New Year's disillusions. If you are one of the backsliders who breaks the first rule on your annual list before breakfast on New Year's Day, you will not find a lot of comfort in a new study by the psychologist at the University of Washington. In a survey, the researchers found that most people do keep 
the promise they put at the top of their list, at least for a while. Now, no cheating. You can't put on the top of your list, I'm going to break all of my New Year's resolutions. That would not be fair. But there is the most interesting result of the survey is this. People are more willing to do something they know is right than to give up something they know is wrong. 84% of those surveyed vowed to start doing something like exercising, which was the most common resolution of all. Only 14% vowed to give up something. It's just meaningless trivia I thought I would give to you, all right? So now let me move on. I want to talk for a few minutes about returning to simplicity and um, what is at the top of the list for us in 2023. I, I want to give it to you. This ought to be at the top of the list for all of us. And it's very simply this, trusting God to do His will in me. How many could sign on to that? Trusting God to do his will in me. Here's what the proverb writer said. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Now, that's a mouthful. So let's begin because first of all, we need to understand what this proverb really means. And to do that, we need to break it down into parts. The word works, commit your works, is the... Hebrew word, ma'asai. And it, it means your deeds, it's your actions, your activities, your pursuits. Everything you pursue, all of your activities, all of your deeds, you are to commit your ma'asai, your works. And if you do so, then your thoughts will be established. Mahashava is the Hebrew word for thoughts. It means your purpose, your intentions, and your plans. Now, before we put anything else on the screen, if we commit our deeds, our actions, our activities, and our pursuits, if we commit them to the Lord, then our purposes, intentions, and plans will be established. The word established, as we put it now on the screen, is the Hebrew word kun. It means to be made firm or stable or steadfast, that which is on solid ground. So again, before we put anything else on the screen, if we commit our deeds and our actions to the Lord, then He will make firm and steadfast our purpose, our intentions, and our plans. Which leads us to the word commit. That word is gala in Hebrew. It means to roll or to roll together or roll on. It's the word that's used when they put a stone over a well. They rolled the stone over the top of the well. So we are to roll together. We are to roll together or commit our works to the Lord. Let me put it all together. If I roll my actions, my deeds, my pursuits, if I commit them to him, to God, like I'm rolling a burden on him, I give them to him, all my words, my deeds, my pursuits, if I roll them on the Lord, he will make certain that my plans, my purposes, and my intentions are steadfast, they're firm, 
They hold together. That's a pretty good promise, isn't it? If we roll it on him, he will make steadfast our thoughts. So let me move to the second point, and this is where it really gets important. Implied in this truth is that we must know the Lord's thoughts and plans for us so that we can carry them out and commit them to him. We're not just talking about anything that I dream up, I roll on him. We're talking about his thoughts, his plans. We need to know what they are so we can then surrender them to him so that he can make them steadfast in our lives. Proverbs 16 and verse 9, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Ultimately, it's God that has to make that thing work. Now, the prophet Jeremiah confessed that the ways and the plans and the desired pursuits of the Lord for us do not come to us naturally. It's not something we just wake up one morning and we know perfectly what God wants. Here's what he said in Jeremiah 10, 23. Oh, Lord, I know the way of a man is not in himself. It's not natural for us to want to do everything that God wants us to do. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Look at me for just a moment. In other words, in us, in our flesh, it is a desire to do what we want to do. It's not in our flesh to want to necessarily do what God wants. It's not in us, and the way of man that God wants us to walk is not inherently in us. The proverbial author made the same point and asked the question, how can we even know the way? When he writes this, a man's steps are of the Lord. How then can a man understand his own way? If God's plans for you and me are his and they're not inherently in us, how are we going to find those? Because we want to roll them on him. We want to commit them to him so that he can make them steadfast. But how can we even know them? But the psalmist makes it clear that God's plans and desired pursuits for us can be known. Here's what the psalmist prayed. We ought to, all ought to pray this. Lord, direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. And then also in that same psalm, Psalm 119, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If I know the word, then I can have my path, God's plans for my life directed. How many believe that? Say amen this morning. So it is hard. It's not inherent in us to know what God wants, but it's not impossible to know. Your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light unto my path. Thirdly, we can know his will and his plan for our lives and we can commit it to him again proverbs 16 1 in the new living translation says we can make our own plans but the lord gives the right answer you see god allows us to dream in fact i would suggest to you god wants us to dream God wants us to have vision. He wants us to look ahead. He wants us to have hope. He wants us to have plan. There are those that say, oh, no, you shouldn't do that. Just let God do it. God is looking for people who have plans, who have vision. I mean, Jesus himself said, you don't build a tower without first counting the cost. 
God is looking for people that have plans. But when those plans come from one, listen, who is immersed in the word of God, and the word is a lamp into my feet, it is a, it is a guide into my path. When, my, when plans come from one who has immersed himself in the word of God, that plan comes more easily. We understand better the will of God. Part of that process, I don't mean to go psychological on you, but part of that process is also knowing how God has made us. If you're, listen, if, if on the top of your list is God doing his will through you, and you wanna know what his will is, you find it in his word, but you also find it in how God made you and God shaped you. God has given everyone in this room certain gifts. He's given everyone in this room certain potential. He has placed that in you. It's kind of the principle of the biblical talents, and I know that was a money measure. But the point is that whatever God gives us, whether it's money or whether it's gifts or talents or passions, we are to give to him. We are to steward those things well. How many believe that to be true? If God gives you gifts, you are to steward those gifts for him. Money, potential, plans, talents, they all belong to him. So we know his plans through the word and through our own God-given potential. And as we learn God's purpose for our lives through the word, and by examining the potential that purpose gives, then we will have a passion that will drive us and motivate us. That's what the psalmist means in Psalm 37 and verse 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Let, let, me, let me walk it through this way. When you spend time in the Word, and you say, and we start in 2023, you say, God, I'm going to spend time in your word. I want you to order my steps. I know how you've shaped me. I know what's bubbling up in my heart. I know what vision I have. I know what dream I have. But I want it all to make its way through the word. And I delight myself in you. You will make those plans come to pass. As we delight ourselves in him, we are seeking to know his will. We are wanting it to be fulfilled. And it will become then, listen, as I delight myself in him, it will become my passion. It'll be what drives us. Let me just make it very simple by an illustration in my own life. I know how God has shaped me. Um, it, it's five foot seven, stocky, and you know, I'm not serious, no. I know how he shaped me spiritually. And, um, I know that from the age of 16, I knew what I was supposed to do. And so that directs my passion. Ministry is my passion. It's hard. Sheila says, I have a radar. I see every church on vacation. I say, there's a church there. Churches and golf courses, by the way. I see them on vacation. But it's a passion that God has given me. It's, it's not hard to figure out. And, and as I delight myself in God and as I spend time in his word, that drive, that, that passion for ministry, which is how God shaped me, grows even larger. Our hearts then become aligned with his. If I delight myself in him, he gives me the desires of my heart. My desires become aligned with his. And when our sole desire is to do his will and be what he wants and to accomplish what he calls us to do, 
we have delighted ourselves in him. And once you know that you can make a real difference when you align your passions with his, there'll be nothing that will stop you. You will pursue that passionately. But notice this, as God's will becomes the passion of our lives, we will be forced to prioritize. Let me explain. When you really know what God wants you to do, you can't do everything. How many understand that? Raise your hand if you understand. You can't do everything. You can do what God has called you to do and what passion you have. You cannot do everything or you'll do nothing well or accomplish nothing for the kingdom. What can happen is that the good can become the enemy of the best. I delight myself in the Lord. I know what he wants me to do, and I'm passionate about that, but then I want to do this too because that's a good thing, and I want to do this too, and all of a sudden, I'm not doing what God has called me to do. There are many good things you can do, but pursuing his will for your life is the best. Kind of a funny story of a family who moved back to the country, moved out of the city, and they bought a cattle ranch. It was a family of four, and they were real excited. They bought this cattle ranch, and uh, some of their friends from the city came out six months later and asked, so what are you going to call the ranch? Well, the father said, uh, I want to call it the Flying J. My wife wanted to call it the Susie Q. One son wants to call it the Bar J, and the other son wanted to call it the Lazy Y. So he said, we compromised, and we decided to call the Flying J, the Susie Q, the Bar J, Lazy Y Cattle Ranch. The friend then looked over the expanse of the land and asked, where's your cattle? To which he replied, none of them survived the branding. And um, I'm one for one in 2023, okay? You laughed. You have no idea how intimidating it is to tell a joke to this group of people, all right? And that's the way it is when we just keep adding things to our life rather than prioritizing our lives, it burns us out and kills us. We don't survive to do what God has called us to do because we're trying to do everything, and it might even be good things, but it's not what God has called us to do. Ultimately, we must then act on God's will. You see, knowing his will is crucial, but we have to do it at some point. There are some people that make a living asking questions, talking, networking, discussing, Sometimes I get tired of that word networking. Everyone wants to sit around and talk and nobody wants to do anything. At some point, you got to do something. At some point, you have to do his will. Knowing his will is crucial, but you have to walk it out. Christian faith is more than what we know and believe. Faith, James 2.17, without works is dead. You can have the greatest faith in the world, but if you don't do it, it accomplishes nothing. The biblical record is story after story of those who knew God's next step and they took it by faith, not knowing where that might lead them. 
In Genesis chapter 12, God said to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to leave. This, this is my will to you. I want you to leave and go to a place that I'll show you later. But here's your revealed will right now, Abraham. You are to leave and head that direction. Abraham left. He didn't know what the next step was. He just left and he started pursuing the will of God. And God revealed that will to him more and more. God called Moses, who argued with him ferociously on the mountain in front of the burning bush. But God said, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to tell him to let my people go. Moses didn't know when he signed on to that it was going to be 10 tries before he would finally let them go. But he stepped out in faith because he knew that's what God wanted him to do. When you drive home at night, you don't say you can't go home because you can't see your house. You get in, you turn your headlights on, and you head that direction. The light that leads you to that point carries you further down the road if you keep progressing. The light doesn't move unless you move. Can you imagine heading home and turning your lights on and it's pitch dark outside and you just travel 50 yards down the road and you say, I can't see my house so I can't go any further. No, you go as far as that light takes you and as you keep moving, that light keeps taking you further and further until you finally arrive home. Ultimately, you have to act on God's will which means stepping out in faith and doing what you know God has called you to do. So number four, at the top of your list, if you have a piece of paper and pen, you might even want to write this down. I want you to place this at the top of your resolution list because at the top of the list, those are the, those are the ones we get done according to research. I will trust God to do his will in me. Make that your resolution this year. I will trust God to do his will in me. Often we hesitate because God's will is not clear enough. We want to see all the journey first. Can I tell you, I just know. I've pastored now a lot of years, and I just know that 2023 holds some great opportunity. Today, I'm going to stick with opportunity, but I will tell you on the side, I'm sure there will be some challenges along the way as well. But it holds incredible opportunity. I don't see it all. I don't know it all. I don't know everything that we're going to face, but I'm not going to hesitate to step into 2023 just because I don't see all 365 days mapped out. I'm going to walk with the light that God gives me. I'm going to take a step by faith and continue to move forward. Sometimes we don't act out of fear. We don't think we're good enough. We don't think we're skilled enough to do what God calls us to do. You all know Garfield, Garfield cartoons. There's this cartoon of Garfield. He's lying in bed, droopy eyes, and thinking to himself, one of my pet peeves is someone who never finishes something they start. Garfield goes on to say, I don't happen to be one of those people. My philosophy is to never start anything. Don't be one of those people. Many never start anything for the kingdom of God because they don't think they can accomplish it. And the truth is, on your own, you can't. 
we fall in the trap of thinking, I'm just one person. The problem is so huge. There's no way that I could ever make a difference. And we just do nothing. We paralyze because it's too big for us. I want to wrap this up here in just a moment or two. It's a story, and I think I've told this once or twice before over the last 20 years, but it's a great story. It fits the young man who was walking along the beach at high tide. As far as the eye could see, there were starfish. They'd washed up on the shore, and they were struggling for their lives. And as this young man walked, he would bend over, pick up a starfish, and then would toss it back into the ocean. An older gentleman came along and asked what he was doing, and the young man responded, see all the starfish on the beach? I'm trying to save them. The older man scanned the beach, seeing thousands of starfish, and said, son, you really don't think you can make a difference with all these starfish on the beach, do you? There's thousands of them, and there's only one of you. The young man then bent over, he picked up one starfish, and he threw it into the ocean. And he said, I made a difference for that one. Don't get paralyzed, there's a lot to do. Listen, this world is big and ugly. It is, it is tough right now. There's a world that's lost, there's a world that's anti, I'm not talking eschatologically here, there's a world that's anti-Christ anti-kingdom. Some of you work in places that seem so overwhelming. Don't become overwhelmed to the point of paralysis. Recognize that you can make a difference one person at a time if you will walk out God's will in your life and let him work through you. What is God calling you to do in 2023? To make a difference for that one what about the reach three? Remember we did that a few years ago. We're going to bring that back where you write down three people, then you pray for them. You say, this year, I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm going to reach out to them. I'm not just going to try to evangelize them. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to befriend them. And when God gives a divine opportunity, I'm going to share my faith with them. We have stories of people that did that. We have people here today that are reach three people from a couple of years ago that people prayed for. We're going to do that again. What is God calling you to do? Who are those people? Who are those children in kids ministry or youth ministry? Who's that orphan or that missionary that you are going to serve or support? Who is that disabled child that God is calling you to encourage? What is that ministry that God is birthing in your heart? He's placed a plan in your heart. It is his plan for your life this year. But here's what the writer of Proverbs says. You have to commit that to him. You have to roll it over on him and let him establish those plans and thoughts. When you ask God, look at me for just a moment, when you ask God to reveal his plan to you and then you roll it onto him, it does not cease to be yours. As a matter of fact, Derek Kidner, and I love this quote, and here's how we're gonna end. Our activities and plans will be no less ours for being his only less burdened and better made. 
When you spend time in God's presence and through his word and you think about how he's gifted you and what is the passion in your heart, and you say, God, in 2023, at the top of my list, I want you to do your will through me. And God bursts that plan in your heart and you roll it on to him. It does not become less yours because you made it his. It actually becomes less burdened and a much better plan that God can enable you to accomplish. Bow your heads with me if you would. Father, I thank you for your word today. And I pray, Lord, that um, as we move into 2023, I pray, God, that you would help us to know your heart, to know your plans, to know your vision, to know your purpose for our lives. I will trust you, God, to do your will in me. That is my resolution for 2023. I will trust you to do your will in me. I'm going to roll it over on you and I'm going to believe God that you're going to do things that will be immeasurably more than I could ever think or ask. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Those who are going to help serve communion, if you would come at this time, Pastor Jeff is going to join me and help me and we will have the elements distributed to you. Everyone hold on to them till everyone has been served. You do not have to be a member of Glad Tidings to partake. You just need to be a believer. And uh, we invite you to share with us today. Worship team is going to sing. Just join them and worship with them. And uh, as we worship the Lord together.